0: On behalf of the Mayflower Church family and staff, I welcome you to worship on this beautiful Sabbath morning. These are troubled times, and yet also times that offer glimmers of hope and transformation. These are times that invite us to self-reflection, transformation, and opening ourselves to that which is divine and that which is holy in our world. For these reasons, we gather for worship. For these reasons, we are united as one by the spirit this morning. We are glad that you are joining us wherever you might be on this Lord's day. I have a few brief announcements to share First of all, thank you to everyone who made our collection of food for IHN homeless families a success. We collected two carfuls of groceries, enough to fill the shelves of their pantry. Thank you. Please know Monday morning from 10 a.m. till noon, our youth will be collecting school and snack items for new city kids. Please drive up to the portico and the youth volunteers will safely receive your donations. Also, immediately after the service today, we will hold a brief annual meeting to receive our nominating committee and membership report, as well as any additional information regarding the transition plan. All members are invited to stay tuned for a word from our moderator. If you received our Friday email, I invite you to locate our worship bulletin or to visit the homepage on our website to download it so you can follow along during the order of our service. Today we will celebrate communion and we encourage you to partake with us. In the next few minutes, you might find bread or juice, crackers or wine, anything that might be a good substitute and have it with you during the service. If you would like to symbolically participate, that's fine as well. All are invited to the Lord's table. As we prepare our hearts and minds to worship this morning, I invite you to hear these words borrowed from the poet, Jan Richardson. Bring your sorrow Bring your grief, bring your fear, bring your weariness, your pain, your disgust at how broken the world is, how fractured, how fragmented by its fighting, its wars, its hunger, its penchant for power, its ceaseless repetition of the history of It refuses to rise above. I will not tell you the blessing of worshiping together will fix all that. But in this time, when we have gathered, let us wait. Let us watch. Let us listen. Let us lay aside our inability to be surprised. Our resistance to understand and let us open our hearts and our lives to the stirring presence of our living God come let us worship God. invite you to join your heart with mine for the opening prayer. Let us pray. Creator God, we come before you on this new day longing to hear the whispers of your spirit. Where we must be stirred, let us hear whispers of restlessness. Where we must be calmed, Let us hear whispers of gentleness where we must be lifted. Let us hear whispers of invitation to mount your wings and soar with your spirit. Loving God in our worship this morning, open our ears that we might hear your voice, your small whispers for each of us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The second lesson comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The final scripture reading comes from Paul's letters to the church in Rome, chapter 8, verses 22 to 28. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose.
1: I invite you to join your hearts together with mine in prayer, and let us pray. Indeed, Spirit, Spirit of gentleness, we pray that you might blow through our wilderness this day, Spirit of restlessness, we pray you might stir us from placidness. As we turn our heart, our soul, and our mind to your word once again. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. Theodore Parker was born in Lexington, Massachusetts, the the youngest child in a family that farmed for a living. His grandfather, John Parker, was the leader of the Lexington militia that fought to be free from England and the rule of kings. Theodore Parker knew hardship. Most of his family had died by the time he was 27. His, his mother died when he was 11. He called this time the, the Valley of Tears. But he, he didn't quit on life. But he strove for a better future for himself. And for others, in 1830, at age 19, for example, he walked 10 miles to Cambridge from Lexington to apply to Harvard College. He was accepted, but he couldn't afford tuition. So he studied at home and and joined his classmates only for exams similar, in some respects, to students today, overcoming the obstacles of, of studying at home during a pandemic. In 1834, Theodore Parker entered Harvard Divinity School, became a pastor, and developed a conviction, an urgent and passionate conviction, that slavery should be abolished. In 1843, he wrote to a Southern slave owner. And as a result, the church he served grew to thousands, including Louisa May Alcott and William Lloyd Garrison. But what Parker is mostly remembered for today are words he said that were later embraced by Martin Luther King and even embroidered on a rug in the Oval Office. Words he offered in a sermon he gave in 1853 when he said, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and, and complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure that it bends towards justice. Last Thursday, a little before noon, my daughter Auden and I went on a run through East Grand Rapids. Last Thursday was a beautiful June day. The sun was shining. The sky was a robin egg blue. Leaves were green and shimmering gently in the trees. The scent of lilacs hung in the air. And I decided to tap the, the stopwatch on my phone as we passed Wealthy school running down Lake. When I looked down next as we passed the high school on Lake Street, two minutes had passed on my stopwatch on my phone. And then the siren went off as it does on noon on Thursdays. As that jarring sound echoed off homes and around our ears, we passed the high school and then I saw six minutes had passed. We turned off Lake and on to Bonnell. I looked down to catch that moment when my stopwatch would read eight minutes, 46 seconds. In eight minutes and 46 seconds, more or less, you can run from wealthy school up to Bonnell. For eight minutes and 46 seconds, George Floyd had a knee pressed against his neck. Have you ever had trouble catching your breath? I do sometimes when I run. Perhaps you have a family member or a friend who has allergies or asthma or COPD or has struggled with COVID recently. If you think about it, 8 minutes and 46 seconds is a long, long, horrific time to struggle to catch your breath. This morning we begin our new series, Full Sales, on how the Spirit can lead us forward. Last Sunday was Pentecost, a date on the church calendar when we honor how the Spirit appeared after Jesus ascended as the book of Acts record when the day of Pentecost came. They were all gathered in one place and then all were filled with the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit in the New Testament in Greek is pneuma, which means spirit or wind or breath. Last Sunday, Lynn spoke how our world desperately needs a new Pentecost, a new appearance of God's breath and God's pneuma and God's spirit to fill our lives with faith and hope and love, which led Lynn and I to wonder this past week, what does the Bible teach about the work and the leading of the spirit and how much such an understanding guide us in how to move forward in our spirit, your lives and more importantly, as a nation in Christ. We begin our series with the first books of the Bible and read in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty." Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Richard Rohr is a 76-year-old Franciscan friar known for insightful books on the spiritual life. The past few weeks, I've been enjoying his reflections in The Universal Christ, where he notes how, how this passage describes how God, working through the Spirit, in order to pour itself into finite, visible forms, including stars and water and planets and animals and human beings, everything we see before our eyes. This, notes, Roar, is the first incarnation, long before the second incarnation of Jesus. In that second incarnation, God became human, became flesh, but in this First incarnation, as Rohr calls it, God becomes a part of the work of the Spirit in everything. God becomes a part of and inside the universe, stars and people, trees, the very air that we breathe. Meaning when we begin to consider what the Spirit does and how it can move forward in our lives as a country and a world, It's important to note how the first appearance of the spirit in the Bible occurs at the very beginning of everything. When everything, we might say, begins to move forward. The universe and life itself. Scholars note how it's important to understand the Hebrew word for spirit in Genesis here is ruach, a word that is feminine. Underscoring how the Spirit brings forth and gives birth to, we might say, all that we can see and touch and experience in our world. In our third reading this morning, Paul underscores this idea as he writes, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we are to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And what, we might ask, is the Spirit bringing forth and giving birth to? To what purpose is the Spirit groaning alongside and in us, guiding us in prayer, realizing us, in us the will of God? I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one, proclaims Theodore Parker. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice. Mitchell Denzel Smith is a New York Times best-selling author of The Invisible Man, A Young Black Man's Education. And this week I came across a fascinating article he wrote on Parker's sermon. A sermon words, as I mentioned later, embraced by Martin Luther King, who is known for saying this, The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. But Smith knows the use of Martin Luther King's quotation, although carries this, this risk of magical thinking. That if the arc of the moral universe will inevitably bend toward justice, then there is no reason for us to work towards that justice as if it's preordained, as if it's only a matter of cosmic influence, as if there's no human role in that work then we are off the hook. Now, this isn't what King meant as evidenced by his own life, but there is a danger, writes Smith, in assuming that justice will just happen on its own. He then points us back to Parker's sermon and suggests his words can inspire us to take a more active role, which makes sense when we think of all that Parker overcame in his own life. How he fought against slavery, and how he honestly confesses he doesn't understand the moral universe. But he knows the arc is a long one, and ultimately bends towards justice. And unless we do the work of justice, says Parker, it will never be realized. Marian Edgar. Buttle is the bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Washington, which oversees churches such as John St. John's Church in Lafayette Square, across from the White House. In an article she wrote a few days ago, the bishop made the point: how God says through the prophet Amos, "Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness." like an ever-flowing stream. Scripture is clear, the bishop reminds, justice, which is the societal expression of love, matters most to God. Now, I need to be clear, this meditation isn't about who... Or who you didn't vote for in 2016. This meditation isn't about who you will or won't vote for in 149 days. This meditation isn't about who or who you don't watch on TV. Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow, or Tucker Carlson. What this meditation is about is recognizing how the Bible declares there is spirit. And there is spiritual truth. And that which is of the Spirit is beyond the politics of the day. And beyond cable shows that often manipulate our opinions about events in our world. Because what the Bible reveals in regards to the work and leading of the Spirit is first of all, it is in everything. Because it was in the first incarnation the spirit is in you as you sit in front of a tv on a couch with your family it is with you as you sit alone on your ipad the spirit was in george floyd and the police officers that day on may 25th it is in the peaceful protesters who walked in our streets, and even those causing destruction in our communities. The spirit is in presidents we adore and presidents we can't stand. The spirit is in senators and congresswomen and men, governors and mayors, on their good days and on their not-so-good days. Genesis teaches us that spiritual truth. But here's the thing. Last Sunday, Pentecost reminded us how the spirit is never passive. It is always blowing in and out of our world, filling our lives with pneuma, filling our lungs with breath, filling our sails so that we might move forward. For as Paul taught, the spirit is groaning in us, praying for us, nudging us, To realize God's will. And what will is that? Justice. Which is the societal expression of love. Which matters most to God. And so may we, I pray, come to realize that divine reality in these troubled times. For although we might not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one, as Theodore Parker once proclaimed. And although our eyes might see but little ways, from what we see, it does bend towards justice. And may it be so, I pray. May it be so. And may we all, young and old, women and men, Democrats and Republicans, choose this day to open ourselves to the Spirit's leading and to work with all of our resolve and grit, our means and our treasure, our hands and our voices, so something new and of the Spirit can be born once again into our hurting communities, our country, and our world. In the name of God, the Creator, the Son, our Redeemer, and the Spirit, our Sustainer. Amen.
0: over these past few weeks and months, in these days of necessary separation for the safety and health of our neighbors, and in these times when the wounds and horrors of racism have been laid bare, the opportunity to gather around this table has become all the more meaningful, precious, and necessary. For it is here where we meet the risen Lord. It is here where hatred and prejudice and all that divides us have no place. It is here where we can find forgiveness. It is here where our emptiness will be filled. It is here where we will be fed and strengthened for the work that is prepared for our hands. And so I invite you to this table, wherever you may be, and whatever you may be sharing. Perhaps you are sitting on a couch holding a cup of coffee and a have a bagel in your hand. Or maybe you are sitting at a dining room table with wine and bread. Or maybe you are in your backyard with juice and crackers. Or perhaps you are simply pondering the words spoken here today and cherish the connection that we all have through the Spirit of Christ. Wherever you may be, whatever meal you are sharing, all are welcome to the table of the Lord. Not because we must, but because we may. Not because we are hungry, but because we desire to be nourished. Not because we should, but because we can. Come not to confess that you are righteous, but that you sincerely seek to love Jesus Christ and desire to be his disciple. Will you pray with me, please? God of all times and places. Before we share this meal together, let us hear again your story of salvation. Remind us how you heard the cries of your people, rescued them from slavery in Egypt, and sustained them in the wilderness. Let us not forget that when your people were scattered, you were with them in exile, and you made a way to bring them home. Help us to remember the countless times you strengthened and empowered your people in the face of distress. Let us remember how your spirit stirred in the lives of those who were called for your purpose. Those who work for good. As the risen Christ comes alongside of us in this meal, we recognize your Son, alive, showing us the way. He makes all things possible, defeating evil and overcoming death, restoring us to a right relationship with you and with one another. O God, we ask that you give us your guidance in this trying time. Give us the courage to open our lives to the fresh breaths of your spirit. Today, we bring before you the names of those who are suffering. We pray for those who are fighting for their physical and their mental health. We pray for the communities and the lives that have been torn apart by the ravages of racism. We pray for those who peacefully protest injustice and those who protect their right to do so. We pray for those who are mourning, those who have lost ones they love, and those who have lost opportunities and precious moments. In the silence, O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And now hear us as we pray together the prayer your Son taught, saying, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and blessed it, and then broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat from this loaf and drink from this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Friends, this is the feast of God for the people of God. Ministering to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we offer to you this sacrament. Will you play with me, please? Loving God through this loaf and this cup, you hold us together in your spirit. As we go out into this day, let us become bread for a hungering world. Let us become drink for those who thirst. Let the blessed Become a blessing, and everywhere let there be a feast. In your Son's name we pray, amen.
2: My Life Flows On, or How Can I Keep From Singing, has a clear message. This is a song of one who has weathered persecution and struggle, but maintains a focus on the rock, giving thanks for all in song. I first turned to this song when I saw it posted in a friend and colleague's uh, Posting On Facebook, he is a uh, organist, church choir director, professor in Boston, and he was lamenting the fact of us not being able to sing, of choirs not being able to be together because of the dangers of COVID. Today, I especially think of our chancel choir because June 7th would have been our last Sunday of the season. And so we listen today to a trio from our wonderful choir, Aaron, Abby, and Melissa, who have recorded this song this week, and that video will be posted on our YouTube and Facebook channels tomorrow. So I invite you to look, to listen, to enjoy, and to share. This is a great way for, to help us be more visible in this virtual world. As we sing this song today, we affirm the beauty of voices singing together. We acknowledge that this is a time of lament that we're living. And we challenge each one of us with a recurring question. How can we keep from singing?
0: Every week, Mayflower leans upon the generosity of our members and friends to fund our budget with approximately $25,000 of support through plate offerings, checks, credit cards, and online giving. If you are following in the online bulletin, please know you can click on the link to give offering. You can also give online on our homepage, And if you would prefer, we have a mailbox under the portico where you can either drop off an envelope or simply put one in the mail. We also now offer the opportunity to give via text. Please check our worship bulletin in the email or homepage for details. So as we wait that day when once again the ushers will wait upon us for the offering This morning in our online world, your church asks for your help and your support as we seek to be the body of Christ in this groaning world, loving our neighbor, serving those in need, feeding the hungry. We are grateful for your generosity. and life. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious God, help us to be generous givers, both of our money and of our lives. Let us make a difference in our troubled world. Take these gifts and bless them, that they might be, in the words of our anthem, an endless song that hails your new creation, one that brings peace and healing and restoration to to your tumultuous world, your creation that still groans in pain. All this we pray in your Son's name.
2: Amen.
1: Justice is the societal expression of love and it matters most to God. And so may we, I pray, come to realize that divine reality for although we might not pretend to understand the moral universe, the arc is a long one, as Theodore Parker once proclaimed, and although my eye reaches but little way. From what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice. And so may we all, young and old women and men, Democrats and Republicans, choose this day to open ourselves to the Spirit's leading and to work with all our resolve and grit, our means and our treasure, our hands and our voices, so something new and of the Spirit can be born Into our world. Amen. This time I would like to invite forward our moderator, Barbara Holman.
3: Good morning. It is my privilege to call our 62nd annual meeting to order. First of all, it must be said aloud, what a strange time we are in. Normally, our friends, our fellow Mayflower members, would be gathered together in the sanctuary to celebrate the mission and ministry of our congregation this past year. It is profoundly sad that it is not occurring this morning. But, on the other hand, I am also very proud of our Mayflower staff for guiding us through a once-in-a-century pandemic. For keeping Mayflower's sales held high, by crafting moving worship services, connecting our members and friends virtually, and on the phone, and helping us be the church in these very challenging times. Typically, at an annual meeting, we spend a few moments reflecting back on the previous year. And for the few moments, I'd like to share all we enjoyed and all that we accomplished up until mid-March because it was wonderful. We began our year in September of 2019 with biscuits and bluegrass and our kickoff picnic. We then launched a new midweek academy and Sunday morning workshops led by professors from Hope College and Calvin University. This past fall, we welcomed extraordinary people to our staff, Scott Bosher, Abby Brooks, and Josh Ledesma. And our music program has has attracted new supporters throughout Grand Rapids. Thank you to our music department for a wonderful year. This past year, we also ordained Ruth Bell Olson as a pastor in the Church of Jesus Christ in one of the most moving services at Fower that I have ever been a part of. Thank you to the members of council for guiding the congregation and Ruth through a thoughtful process that led to such a joyous morning. In November, our youth embarked on a successful middle school trip to Chicago. And after an extensive input from the congregation, we approved our Mayflower Vision 2022, a roadmap for where we discerned God is leading our church in the future. Finally, at year's end, due to a wonderful surge of faithfulness and generosity, we were also able to set aside 15% 15% of our 2019 budget for outreach. While most churches have cut their outreach giving from their budget and are resorting to special offerings, 15% of our 2019 budget was set aside to impact our community, country, and world, living into Jesus' teachings that we are to love our neighbor. Then, COVID hit our world, and our life as a congregation changed. But thanks to technology and our hard-working staff, we have been resilient and continued to be the church for each other, and now increasingly for our community. For example, I'm pleased to share, immediately after COVID broke, Mark Barger-Elliott and Andy Eli, our new business manager, along with our finance committee, created a new streamlined budget, and we have been in the black balancing our budget, in other words, in March, April, and now in May. This is truly a wonderful testimony to our church leadership and the generosity of our members and friends. Thank you. Thank you. This financial support has also enabled us now to begin to reach out and support those in need. We began with the Salvation Army and their food bank. This summer we will support new city kids as they empower at-risk and inner-city children hurt by multi-generational poverty. Finally, It has been a privilege to serve as your moderator this past year. I would like to thank all who served on our church council, church committees, and our staff for truly keeping Mayflower not only afloat, but sailing toward a bright horizon. At this time, I'd like to church, turn to the church business of our agenda. There are three items to review. As part of our vision, Mayflower Vision 2022, I'm pleased to share that we have launched our new member portal. If you received our e-news, you would have found the password for this portal. In that portal are three documents for your review. The first is minutes from our 61st annual meeting. No remarkable business came before us last year. Also, on our member portal, you'll find our nominating committee report. Thank you to our nominating committee and the wonderful Mayflower members who agreed to serve our church. I am always impressed with how quickly people say yes to the opportunity to serve. Thank you. Finally, on our member portal, you'll find our membership review. Please note that on January 1st, 2019, our total membership was 1,072. And in 2019, we added four members, 48 members, pardon me, Fourteen of our members were also received into God's eternal presence and seven members transferred or requested to be removed, typically because they moved out of town. This left us with a total membership of 1,098, which I'm pleased to share with you is our 15th year of consecutive membership growth. Ordinarily, we would now vote to receive these reports, but we didn't have time to figure out a way to vote electronically. So, if you would all say I on the count of three, it will be recorded as a virtual vote. One, two. 3 I. Thank you. Finally, it is my pleasure to invite forward Jim Rogers, who has served this past year as chair of our personnel committee and vice moderator, and this morning becomes moderator for the coming year. Jim,
4: Thank you, Barbara. Uh, first of all, if we could please take the time to give a virtual round of applause to Barbara for the extraordinary work she has done for Mayflower during this past year. <laughs> Barbara, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure working with you. It is now my privilege to serve as your moderator for the next year. We all know these are extraordinary times, and in light of this, there are a few things I would like to share. Uh, Likely, you have learned that Mark and Lynn Barger-Elliott have accepted a call to serve as co-pastors and head of staff at the House of Hope Presbyterian Church in Minneapolis. As Barbara wrote in your moderator email a few weeks ago, the Book of Ecclesiastes teaches there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And in that spirit, I invite you to join the church council in celebrating 15 wonderful years of ministry with Mark and Lynn over the coming weeks as their last day at Mayflower will be June 30th. To help celebrate, I invite you to join in the following activities. First, if you would like to send a card or a gift to Mark and Lynn, please send them to the church. Church policy is that Mayflower cannot accept financial gifts on behalf of a staff member. Therefore, these would need to be made out directly to Mark and Lynn Barker Elliott. Second, Mark and Lynn are arranging farewells from the front steps these last two weeks of June. More details will be forthcoming, but this will give Mark and Lynn an opportunity to thank Mayflower members and friends, of course, for serving the church together these past 15 years and will give us a chance to thank them as well. In addition, please know that the personnel committee and the executive committee are now hard at work shaping our transition plan. This will include a three-step process. First, the executive committee will engage in a congregational survey this summer to invite feedback as to what qualities you would like to see in our next senior pastor. Second, this summer, the Personnel Committee will begin to craft the materials we will need to invite applications for this position. These materials will then be handed off to the Pastoral Search Committee in the fall. The third step involves the formation of the Search Committee, which will be done in the following way. This September, the congregation will be invited to make nominations for those individuals who best fit the job description for a candidate to serve on this committee. The nominating committee will then select the committee and present it to the congregation, likely in October. And I promise you, your church leadership is working hard to make thoughtful decisions in a timely manner. Finally, I have two requests regarding this transition. First, please be patient And know that we are always doing our very best. Everything is pretty challenging right now, including simple things like scheduling meetings and organizing our communication. And second, please keep your church leadership in your prayers as together we hoist our sails to catch the leading wind of the spirit as we move forward as a congregation. And at this time, I would like to adjourn our annual meeting and invite Mark to close us in prayer.
1: Let us pray. God of grace and God of glory, For this past year of mission and ministry here at Mayflower, we are grateful. And we ask your blessing upon those called to serve on committees next year. For our moderator, Jim, that indeed everyone might seek by the leading of your spirit justice. And therefore, your divine will. Amen. Now as you go out into this day, know the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you, and the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.